Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Welcome, everybody, to BGN Radio, episode 80. I am your host this time, I guess, Brandon Lee Gowton. And if you're wondering why it's me hosting the podcast, uh, this episode of BGN Radio here, and not John Stolness, it's because we're doing some things different here at BGN Radio uh, now. John is still going to be around and on the BGN platform podcast. But uh, I have a new host here now at BGN Radio, and he is someone who I think if you're an Eagles fan, you really should be familiar with. He's certainly someone I am familiar with. He's someone Bleeding Green Nation readers and podcast listeners really should be familiar with going years back. So especially if you've been following along with BGN for a long time now, it is the one, the only, Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy Hello, Welcome. Brandon. How's it going? I'm like, uh, the way that you announced that, I'm like waiting for people to start applauding or something. <laughs> I, I think they were. I appreciate that. But yes, I, I am a BGN alum. I ran BGN for like five weeks in 2013. I had uh, that opportunity open up for me. There was a guy named Jason Brewer who ran, who started and then ran BGN for years. Uh, I was just kind of a, an additional writer there. And then when he was going to leave for, I believe, a job in finance uh, in New York City. He Merrill needed Lynch, somebody yeah. to take uh, over the reins for him, which I did, uh, again, for like five weeks because uh, I also uh, got, an, I, I got, a, I got an opportunity to cover training camp for Philly.com that year as well. And then at the end of training camp, they wanted to bring me aboard uh, full-time, and obviously I took that. Uh, I recommended both Brandon and uh, Tommy Lawler to the SB Nation people for taking over Bleeding Green Nation, and uh, Brandon got the job, and he's been doing it ever since with a short foray into <laughs> uh, Philly Mag. Yep. Yeah, there's actually been a lot of uh, BGN contributors over the years that have gone on to like full-time beat writer jobs, like me, SP, yep. Jordan Renan, Mike K., uh, who am I missing? I don't think anyone. I think yeah, that's. Okay. I think that's about it. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty. It's pretty loud. That's pretty good number of people, though. Yeah, and there's other guys, just like Adam Herman, obviously with Philly Voice oh, yep, now. Yeah, uh, sure. So there's there's definitely different tie-ins there. Um, yeah. So I've known Jimmy for years now. He is the reason why I'm at BGN. So if you don't like me, I don't know why you're listening to this, but uh, it's all his fault. So all you can my blame fault. him. <laughs> exactly. But uh, for real though, it is cool, uh, Jimmy, to finally, I guess, kind of be reconnected with you in a way here. And I'm sure, you know, BGN readers and listeners alike appreciate hearing your insight. Even though you're a big hack, uh, yes. that's kind of a big issue. But I am. we'll overlook that. And uh, good to have you back. Also, now I should mention I work for phillyvoice.com, not that's probably important. anymore. So Plug the current website. Yeah. Read that, please. Thank you. Check out phillyvoice.com backslash eagles, right? Is it that simple? Uh, I don't even know if that's right. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Well, who knows? Uh, just Google it. Just whatever. follow me on Twitter. Yeah, follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kempsey. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Jimmy. Yes. I guess we have a decent amount of stuff to talk about here. You know, Eagles into the season already. Uh, one game in. Before we kind of get into our final thoughts on what the Washington game, since you and I haven't talked about that yet, we've obviously heard from uh, Benjamin Solak, Michael Kist on the episodes leading up to this one this week. 
Um, but just kind of wanted to run through some house cleaning stuff with you. House cleaning? Uh, How dare you? Some house cleaning. This is like uh, a Welcome Jimmy episode slash emergency Alex Alice released pod well tell me how you feel about it well uh yeah so the three roster moves that they made are malik jackson to ir they signed akeem spence to not replace him necessarily but to fill the roster spot at defensive tackle vacated by him and then they released alex ellis but they haven't replaced him yet which is a little bit odd i don't know why they wouldn't have replaced him already what's the sense in releasing him until you did replace him, but whatever. I am conflicted on how much the loss of Malik Jackson means. Hmm. Uh, I think he's a good player, and certainly he's going to deplete your depth at that position. Uh, I do wonder if Timmy Jernigan is good or not. Hmm. Okay, I thought, in week one, and I thought he looked pretty good all throughout camp. I thought he looked you know, pretty much just as good as Malik Jackson did throughout camp. But you know, while saying that, I do think Jackson did look good during camp. You need a, a deep defensive line, and he does deplete that. But I don't know if there's a big drop-off from him to Timmy. So on that, set, from that front, I don't think it's that big a deal. But at some point, they're probably going to lose somebody else, and then the next guy up will probably be a pr- pretty big drop. Yeah, I mean, you look at what this team, I, I was going to say had, but really didn't have <laughs> defensive tackle last year. I mean, it was just abysmal outside of Fletcher Cox, obviously. And they had to play Fletcher a lot more last year than yeah, they did that's true. in um, 2017, where they really tried to, like, you know, manage his snap count so then they could really just unleash him in the playoffs. Like, they didn't, they weren't able to do that uh, last year. So, I mean, I guess part of the solution is, like, now you're putting a bigger workload on Fletcher Cox, although um, you do have Jernigan, and I agree. I, I think he looked really good this this summer. Like, he looked healthy. Now, I guess one thing that was kind of interesting with him is that he only played, like, 37% of the snaps in week one. Now, obviously, Malik was ahead of him still, but I, I wonder if there's still, like, a, a pitch count there. You're talking about Fletcher or Jernigan? Jernigan. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, both okay. guys, really. I'm sure Fletch didn't one. play as much either. I think he only got, like, 44 snaps. Yeah, which 66%. Of like, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I kind of wonder about that. I think Ridgeway, you know, he's been looking good, I feel like, a little bit under the radar. Um, he had a hit on Keenum in that game. I don't. It's not like the season is over because <laughs> you lose Malik Jackson. The, the one area where I think it may hurt them is in those obvious passing down situations because he's coming off the field. And I don't think that's really a great role for Timmy, Hmm. but who's going to play on the edge now? So like in theory, you can move now, you can now move Brandon Graham inside like they've done, you know, line him up next to Fletcher Cox as a defensive tackle. And then you have Barnett still on the outside, but now who's on the outside taking Graham's place? Um, Is it Vinny Carey? Yeah. Is it maybe they actually activate Deshaun Hall as they should have done week one in the first place? Is yeah. it Josh Sweat? So oh, I think that's an area where they where they maybe will miss Malik the most. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think Timmy gets sold short a little bit as a pass rusher. Like I don't think he's a non-pass rusher. Is he yeah. an amazing – is he as good as Malik Jackson? Probably not. But I, like, when he was acquired him originally, he wasn't thought of, at least the way I, I saw it and what I've seen from him, as like this, you know, as this like just run-stuffing defensive lineman. And I feel like the perception of him has almost become that. Like I, I don't totally agree with that. I think he can be disruptive up the middle. So – um, so we'll see how he does. Uh, the other thing, I guess, with the open roster spot, I would guess they might add a defensive back there, you know, or especially corner. Like they only have four in the roster right now with, yeah. with um, Darby and Maddox and Jones and Razul. And they worked out two corners last week who both had starting experience. 
you know, it's been put out there that they might bring Skandrick back. Skandrick's still out there, yeah. So, especially because, you know, it's after week one and his salary won't be guaranteed when they probably cut him later when they bring back Jalen Mills eventually. So, we'll see. I guess they'll they'll probably fill that, obviously, before. Man, that's going to suck to be like an over-the-hill van <laughs> where you know that, like, if if you sign back with the Eagles or whoever, <laughs> you're probably going to get cut later in the year only when, when their injured guy comes back. I feel like it's kind of funny how we talk about that. It's like, yeah, you know, this guy, he sucks. So you're going to bring him back after the, the week one when <laughs> right. his money won't be guaranteed. So you can get rid of him later. It's so demeaning like, yeah. to, to have yourself in that conversation. One of, the, one of the real demeaning things that I remember last year when Paul Warlow tore his ACL, it was clear. Like it was in the bubble. Yeah, he went first down. Day, first yeah, day of OTAs. He, he, yeah, and they actually had, I think they had already cut Kendricks, but it wasn't out there yet. So, like, people are like, oh, they shouldn't have cut Kendrick's. <laughs> Warlow got cut. But anyway, he get, they're in the bubble. He, he's clearly seriously hurt. Like, practice stops. They turn the music off. And, uh, you know, everyone stops what they're doing. Dead silence in there. They cart him off. And then as soon, like, literally, the second he's, like, out the door, it's just like, they turn the music back on. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's everybody, like, everybody like back home happens. with your lives. Yeah. So it's very messed up. That is funny. <laughs> I guess the last thing on this is I'll say, uh, Akeem Spence seems like a pretty cromulent. I know you're a big fan of there that word, go. Jimmy. All right. Uh, fourth defensive tackle. I mean, he has a, he's what, like 57 starts and 88 games played? He started all 16 games last year. For yeah. My, I mean, Miami, but whatever. And wasn't great, but whatever. He's a fourth defensive tackle. I had, I didn't know I didn't know much about I knew he existed. Yeah, <laughs> when they signed him, and uh, I was mad when they signed him. I was like, oh, I'd already written four <laughs> articles yesterday, and I was like, oh, come on! And, like I was all settled in, and they signed Akeem Spence. It's like, all right, and it was a guy that I don't know a lot about, so you got to research him a little bit before you write that. Whatever, <laughs> just really ingratiating yourself, Jimmy, to the to the loyalist. Like, yeah. oh, uh, I, I just <laughs> this sucks. My- <laughs> My bullshit job is hard. So that's a perfect time, I guess, to, to take a quick little break here um, as we will have some special things for you <laughs> in this podcast in terms of, well, I'm not going to spoil it. You'll just just listen along and, and you'll find out. So we'll take a quick break here and then we'll get into some of our closing thoughts on Eagles slash Washington and what that means for the team moving forward and uh, some other fun topics coming back right after this on BGN Radio. BRB. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with a BGN Radio Sports Minute. When Nick Foles left Philadelphia this offseason for what he thought would be greener pastures in Jacksonville, he left a Super Bowl winning organization for one that didn't even exist 25 years ago. He just wanted money and playing time handed to him on a silver platter rather than competing with Carson Wentz to be the leader of an actual winning organization. In week one against the Kansas City Chiefs, Nick Foles, or should I say Nick Fraud, broke his collarbone and now he wants everyone to feel bad for him. Frankly, he and the Jaguars deserved it. Any Philadelphian who looks up to Nick Fraud as a role model should be ashamed, and Fraud himself needs to take a good hard look in the mirror and decide if he really loves the game of football or if he's only in it for the money and the glory. I'm Jimmy Kemsky for BGN Radio. BGN Sports Radio. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. 
Okay, we're back from the break. That was definitely real and happened in real time. And, you know, these ads weren't inserted at a later point. And uh, Jimmy, let's get to some of the closing thoughts on Eagles versus Washington. Because again, we we didn't, I know it's it's Wednesday night when we're recording this. So we're kind of moving on to the Falcons game already. But you and I haven't gotten to give our takes, which people are obviously clamoring for on this subject. So what were your big takeaways, I guess, coming out of the game? Yeah, if you're, if it's going to be, we'll probably publish this on Thursday. So yeah. if you already passed the Washington game, too bad. We're still reviewing it. Yeah. Let's actually play right or wrong. I'll okay. ask you a question and then I'll tell you if you know, <laughs> you're right or wrong. And I'll tell you if you have the right or wrong answer. Uh, these are all from the Washington game. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, is the MVP hype for Carson Wentz warranted, in your opinion, still, as it was before the season began? Still warranted after week one? Am I just giving a one-word answer here or can I no, elaborate a little bit? Fire away. Okay. okay. Uh, I think it is warranted. I mean, he looks healthy. He looks awesome. He looks like the player. He like that was my honest impression of him. Like just watching him out there on the field in Week One, I was like, this is the guy I saw in 2017, if not better. Like this guy is healthy. He's making plays in the pocket and out of the pocket. The arm strength is great. Um, the mobility is there. He's been amazing on third down, which was huge for this team in 2017. He has a great cast of weapons to work with. Like everything. Wrong. <laughs> oh, why am I wrong? <laughs> Clearly, the correct answer is no. The MVP frontrunner by a mile is Dak Prescott. At oh this boy, how could I? Uh... No, I'm kidding. Uh, I agree with everything <laughs> you're saying about once. But yeah. continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. He looks great. I mean, why? Why <laughs> That's not? How we're going to play right or wrong. By the way, it's going to be me just interrupting you. <laughs> that sounds good. Let's go to the next one. All right, is Doug? Peterson and Deuce Staley <laughs> handling, or so, excuse me, are Doug Peterson and Deuce Staley handling the running back usage properly? No, they are not. And um, before you get in that, I'm wrong here because I know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for as much as Darren Sproles like didn't look bad in terms of he averaged over five yards per carry, yeah, so, something that Solak was getting at, and he didn't use the exact term for it, but I think that he was kind of hinting at this was like opportunity cost. It's not yes. that like Sproles is bad or look bad. It's just like when you're watching Miles Sanders run or Jordan Howard, who was averaging 7.3 yards per carry, albeit on six touch or six carries, but still it's like, don't you want to get those guys the ball more? I, I'm not saying Sproles should, I feel like Sproles should have a role, some, some kind of minimal role player kind of role. Like you saw him look good on that two point conversion. Like he can do some things still. I don't deny that. It's a little too much Sproles, and I want to see more Sanders. I want to see more Howard. Wrong. <laughs> Again, I'm over two. Sproles is a future fringe, not going to get in Hall of Famer. And how dare <laughs> is that you a compliment? His, his good name. <laughs> now I agree. Actually, it was weird. So after I after every game, the, the day after the game, I published the snap counts, as I believe you do as well. Yes, read mine, not Jimmy's. To my surprise, Miles Sanders had I think. 13 or 14 more snaps than Sproles. He was at like 30-something, and Sproles was at 20-something. Yeah, 36 and 23. Yeah, okay. And then even with the 23 snaps that he got, what did he get, like 11 or 12 touches? Too many. So, like, if he was yeah. in the game, he was touching it more than half the time. I think he had 12 touches on 23 snaps, and that's too much. I mean, I'm with you. I'd rather see... So the big thing for me was in that game, there were back-to-back carries by Sproles and Sanders. And there was just a gigantic hole for Sproles right at the middle. He ran up the middle and he had a safety to beat. And he didn't, like, he just had 
the worst spin move I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> just spun right into him, and it was like went Dwight down. from the Office when he <laughs> goes into uh, what's his name's uh, Bob Vance's office or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just spun and landed right into his arms, and they threw him to the ground. And then you look at the ne- very next play, uh, another nice hole, not as big as the one that they opened up for Sproles. But you just see Sanders explode through that. And, you know, you look at that first play. If Sanders gets the ball on that first play with the, the size of that hole, I think he scores. Mm. Whereas I don't think Broles has anywhere near the same level of explosiveness that Sanders does. And then Howard, you know, like during training camp, he didn't get really any kind of hype. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. And those training camp practices don't really suit his skill set very well. So those training camp practices are more for like quick, shifty speedy guys whereas a guy like howard is going to show up you know in live tackling just like blunt like blunt was getting a lot of not good blunt, hype. blunt is never going to impress anyone ever in a training camp practice and I, howard is kind of the same way and when you get into the game situation i agree howard looked good and especially that one run it was very subtle you know not going to make any kind of highlight reels just a quick cut and he was to the outside and he gobbled up a lot of yards on that play. And he actually made he had two catches, but one of them was actually a really nice catch. Like it was it was a bad throw by Wentz that I think most of the time is going to hit the ground, but he reached down and got it. Mm-hmm. And he grabbed it, and it was a minimal gain. But uh, he, he was better as a receiver than, than I was expecting. And, uh, yeah, I agree. The, like, those are your two guys. you got to use Sanders and, and Howard far, far more than, than they did uh, in week one and Sproles, like like you said, deserves some kind of small role, mm-hmm. and you know, as a punt returner, of course. But those two guys got to be getting the, the, the bulk of your carries. I think that's that's where it's at. I I definitely going into this week two game. You know, I hope to see some kind of adjustment there. All right, number three. Number three. It's along the same lines, I guess. But are we already seeing a problem with quote unquote too many mouths to feed in the offense? Hmm. Uh, I got to give credit to Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, bringing this up on the Birds with Friends podcast. Oh, Friends did they now? Friends okay. of BG and Radio. Well, they had mentioned that um, apparently Deshaun, after the game, had said oh, that. Oh, yeah, Aguilar. Did you yeah. hear this? Yeah, the Aguilar thing was like, he said Aguilar was kind of like down or something or, or sad uh, after the game. <laughs> and Nelson obviously only had, he had five targets and um, he only two caught for two 11, I think? for 11. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say it's a total non-issue. Well, I, I will say it's a non-issue if they're if they're going to keep winning. Like it's not going to destroy the team. But like I think it's more than a, a total non-issue. What about you? Well, you're going to tell me that I'm wrong, and then you can tell <laughs> me what you think. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wrong. It is. Uh, and it, it's. Wait, what did you say it was? Did you say I said it? it's. It's not a non-issue. <laughs> so it is somewhat of an issue. I should probably pay attention to your answer. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's a problem yet, but that is interesting, the Aguilar anecdote. that I had, I had heard that as well. I wasn't there for that. I was in, I don't know if that happened at the same time that Doug was talking, but uh, I was in for Doug, not the beginning of the locker room session, which is when apparently that happened, mm. or Deshaun was consoling him or whatever, <laughs> or whatever oh, happened boy. there. I think it's something that's just going to happen. They have so many players that are worthy of getting the football, you're not going to keep everyone happy. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, if you win, then it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you start to lose a few games, then it does. And we saw that last year, where you know they lost a few games. Or I don't know exactly at what point this happened in the season, but I believe it was when they weren't winning a lot of games when you had some unknown player. <coughs> oh, son. 
this say is that the, there was too much Ertz. <laughs> Hosina Anderson thing. That came out in like November or December, I think. It was like right before Foles took over, I think. Yeah, okay. So it was definitely during the da- down part of the season, for sure. Yeah. When Alshon <coughs> um, said uh, that there was too much Ertz going around. Mm. So, you know, it happens if you're not winning games. But if uh, if you keep winning, then, you know, players tend to just... Even if they are unhappy about it behind the scenes, they you know they're, they're not going to say anything. So they're one to know. It doesn't matter right now. If at some point they go on some losing streak, it really doesn't matter what kind, uh, how great your locker room culture is. Yeah, ultimately, players are looking out for themselves uh, in addition to the team, and they're going to be upset if they're not getting fed. And they feel like and they feel like they're they're the losing is you know if, especially if like they feel like them not getting the ball as much as they think they should is contributing to the losing. Well, and with Aguilar, I mean he's in a contract year. <laughs> this is a this also is a true. Yes, him. yes. Like Deshaun got paid this off season. It's a contract year for everyone, really, because yeah. you want to keep your money that you already got. But you're correct, certainly. At you know with Alshon, it's more cut. Or I'm sorry, Nelson, it's more cut and dried that he is going to be a free agent next year. So what's uh, number four? Number here? four is the Eagles' pass rush a serious concern after week one? I think it's a serious concern in the sense of like it's an important issue. Like like it's not like okay, you know, is our fourth linebacker good enough? Like that probably doesn't matter. If your pass rush, you <laughs> right. know, is your pass rush good enough? It, does that matter a lot? Yeah, I mean, like a big reason why they won the Super Bowl in 2017 and why they were even you know a playoff team last year is that they had one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. A lot of teams win Super Bowls that way. Denver, the year Peyton Manning stunk. And the Giants, the two years that they lucked into their Super Bowls. Oh, my God. I think we need to do a whole <laughs> podcast sometime. Like, I almost I want to do an article about that. I feel like one time. It's going to look like so, like, oh, the Eagles fan. Uh, like, just uh, crying <laughs> That's about totally the unavoidable. But I, but I know, but it's just like, those drive me insane. I feel you like and I talk about this all the time. If we, yeah, I know. If we, if we can go off on a, on a, side, on a side note here. There's one specific thing is that uh, the Mod Bradshaw fumble. In the, I can, in the, in I can the envision game. it in my head. Uh, <laughs> what was his name? Patrick Willis, I think, was it? Uh, like stripped him, and oh my god! And it was the quickest whistle I've ever seen in my life. It was like I don't. Was there even a whistle? Yeah. Well, well, they said there was. It was like nope. He's down. He's down. He's 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 made forward progress, which is always amazing to me because like the double standard of that play compared to Eli Manning in the Super Bowl when he was, like, against the Patriots and he yes. makes the he David Tyree throw. <laughs> yeah, like, his forward progress was more stopped than Ahmad Bradshaw. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't mind going off on a tangent. We're allowed to do that. That's something Jimmy and I, I feel like, talk about, like, literally all the time. We talk about that Ahmad Bradshaw <laughs> fumble regularly. That entire run was just, oh, my God. It just, it was such A lot a- of weird things happened in that run. Like, was that the same year? I know it was one of their Super Bowl years. They got like a, a Hail Mary at the Yeah, end of the it was first the same half. year. It was 2000, uh, 2011 run. Yeah, it was like what the end of the first half of that Packers game where. And then Asante Samuel dropping an interception that ends. Oh my God. I, thankfully, <laughs> well, I can. I'm glad the Giants are, are not doing that anymore. I, I'm glad. This is this is like their penance to pay for that extremely, like all that luck the they hiring had. of Dave Gettleman. Yeah, this, this is like, okay. You know what? You had all that luck, and now it's run out, and now you're just terrible. Yes. So you're talking about the we were talking about the pass rush, the Eagles pass yes. rush, and so I, I think it's a it is a big concern. Like I'm not ready to be like, well, they're doomed. Like after week one, like it's I think that's a little premature. You're going to tell me I'm wrong, obviously, but um, wrong. I, I the the one thing I want to say about the defense as a whole is I kind of just don't care because I feel like even if this defense like is as good as it could reasonably be, the offense is the make or break factor for this team. To me, offense just matters way more in today's NFL. You look at the last 
four teams standing last year. They were the top four offenses in, in both championship oh, games. Oh, is that right? I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was the number, literally I mean, it makes the, sense. the top yeah. four. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you think of the teams, sure, yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're, all, they're all awesome offenses, for sure. I'm just kind of more, like, I want the pass, the, the pass rush needs to be better for the Eagles to be great and win a title. But, like, to me, I kind of just, I kind of bank on the fact, that, like, okay, even if it isn't, if the offense can carry them, like, that's still a possibility. Tell me why I'm wrong, Jimmy. I guess to the year before, there were two defensively stacked teams, the Vikings and Jaguars. What happened to them? The Vikings got blown out. The Jaguars <laughs> should have won that game. Yeah. They should have won that game. Yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, no, but I agree. I agree with the premise that uh, offense is more important than defense, for sure. Mm-hmm. As far as the defensive line goes, or rather the pass, pass, I mean, pass rush is the defensive line, especially in the Jim Schwartz, uh, we don't blitz <laughs> very often scheme. Yeah, it's a concern. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's here's the the issue that I take with it. I think that guys like that the actual players are getting a little bit of unwarranted heat. Like Derek really? Barnett, for example, I've seen you know people kind of start to criticize him, and I don't get that at all. Like last year before he got hurt, I thought he was really like legitimately very good, and then this year, you know, just after week one, I mean, he didn't have any sacks, but he drew a holding call. He had, I think it was three quarterback hits. Correct. If uh, you guys follow Fran Duffy on Twitter, as I'm sure you all do, and it's a very short film breakdown of, of Barnett, basically just kind of highlights of him from, from week one. But he showed one inside pass rush move that was really nice. And then he showed this little this little fake inside move and then he bounced it to the outside around Donald Penn. It's, it's awesome. And it's like, it's it's a legitimately awesome pass rush move. And uh, I'm higher on him, I think, than uh, the average person. I think uh, he's going to be very good both this year and over the course of his career. Uh, we all kind of have come to accept, I think, for the most part, what Brandon Graham is as a player. Who, mm-hmm. You know, it's a guy who's going to play awesome run defense. He's going to get some pressure. Uh, last year, that wasn't really as much the case coming off of his injury and whatnot. But so he still has, I guess, to prove that. He can still be the player that he was in 2017 and before that. A good player, does get pressure, does make some big plays here and there. Fletcher Cox, obviously awesome, but their depth, as we noted earlier, is depleted now with Malik Jackson going down. And then, you know, after on the outside with Barnett and Graham, after those two guys, you don't really have a guy that can, you know, really generate much of a pass rush or at least hasn't proven in the NFL that that they can. I think it's uh it's it's a it's a serious concern. On a scale of one to ten, like ten being the most concerning, where would you put it? Well, so because of the importance of yeah that the defensive in. line, especially in Schwartz's scheme where they don't blitz, and if they if the front four doesn't get home, then the the defense kind of falls apart. Then I I would say somewhere somewhere like a seven or eight. Yeah. The one thing I will note is the players were saying in the locker room that. They were facing like a lot of you know seven Max man protect. protection schemes, and if that's the I haven't gone back and looked, but if that's the case, then all right, then you can then you can forgive the lack of pressure to some degree in the first half. And Schwartz in his uh, presser kind of put the blame on the secondary. Not even kind of like he did. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did yeah. for for not giving the pass rush enough time. And normally you hear it the other way, where the uh, defensive line didn't give the uh, secondary enough of a chance to succeed. They didn't put enough pressure on the quarterback to give the secondary opportunities to succeed. You don't usually hear it the other way around, where the secondary has to kind of help out the front four. But I think in cases where there is max protect, so if you keep seven in, 
I'm just going to go through some very simple math here. Keep mm-hmm. seven in. You got your quarterback. It's player number eight. You got three players in, in routes, and they're being covered by seven guys. I can understand where you would expect your secondary to be able to cover a little longer than they're than they normally would have to in that scenario, giving the front four a little bit more of a chance to put pressure on the quarterback. So I don't know if that's what he's referring to or not, but I kind of get it from that perspective. But ultimately, this defense is going to go as the front four goes. I agree with that. Did you have one more? Or? Number five, is the secondary a serious concern after week one? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, it is. I agree. I, I think it was Next. a concern no. <laughs> going into week one. I mean, so there's a, like a lot of different things to unpack in the secondary. Like, first of all, I think it's a concern like, it's not even settled. Like, who are the starters, really? I mean, Razul Douglas got the start on Sunday, but... I don't like this uh, rotating nonsense. That's not going to fly against uh, Julio Jones, by the way, where you yeah. just, you're coming in and out of the game and, oh, like, you know, you don't play the first quarter, and then you come in in the second quarter and you got a, you, you got a, you know, warmed up Julio. Okay, right. cover him man-to-man, <laughs> Darby. Like, no way, it's not happening. Who should be starting then? In your mind, Gene. Well, I don't know if they'll if they'll do it on a week to week basis based on matchups, or if you know they should just name. I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is, or if they just should name a starter and stick with that. You know, two starters on the outside and stick with those two guys. I don't know what the answer is to that. I do think that this week, and we'll probably get to this later when we talk about the Eagles Falcons matchup. You're gonna have Jenkins on Sanu. That's what they've always done. You're gonna have, or in the past, they always had. Jalen Mills covering Julio all day and then um you know whoever covering Ridley with Mills out and Julio always killed the Eagles by the way they just he just didn't get into the end zone I think he has 400 yards in the last three games I would yeah kind of, so <laughs> but, but on a ton of targets right so I mean he, he's killed him in the sense of like yeah he's put up a ton of yards but yes. he hasn't like broken the game like yeah I think, correct I think you can say like Schwartz has a good, a good done, a, done a good job of like making sure he just doesn't right. like absolutely like destroy the entire game yeah Mills is despite those numbers Mills has actually done a, you know reasonably decent job against him right uh I don't know who I don't know who they're going to put on them or if they're just going to have to change the way that they cover those three receivers completely without Mills following him around. I mean, that sounds like such a stupid sentence, especially for people <laughs> who don't think Mills is, is, is good at all. But uh, it, yeah, it's a little dicier matchup this time around than, than it, it has been the last three years, in my opinion. So we do have some breaking news, Jimmy. Yes. Live. Uh, the really? promoted Craig James to the from the practice squad to the active roster. Hmm. And they re-signed Alex Ellis to the practice squad. So I thought it was going to be a corner. I think I said that earlier. So, yeah, listen to me. Craig James, the horrible <laughs> former college football analyst. I feel like I'm I'm either not plugged in enough to college football or too young to know this reference. I saw you make that reference on Twitter, but I, I did not know who, who it was. Google him. It's, wor- it's worth it's worth okay. your time, in my opinion. Last thing in this segment before we go to break. You wanted to – so we were talking about the pass rush and kind of in conjunction with that, like the secondary trade targets. Yeah, right. So if the pass rush is a serious concern or the secondary is a serious concern or – Injuries. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, somebody gets hurt along the line or you don't like the linebackers or whatever. I think a lot of people have already kind of started talking about – I mean, I've heard this on the radio to and from the Novacare Complex. They're talking about, oh, you got to trade for somebody now. First of all, it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going <laughs> to trade for anyone – Anyone that like has a player worth trading, aside from one team, the Miami Dolphins, who's going to trade one of their good players and just 
pissed our season away at this point in the season. Yeah, in week two. They're not going to do that. They're not going to tell their fans we quit on the season and they're tell their players the same thing. Like if it, you know, week nine, week 10 comes around and they're two and seven or two and eight, then yeah, then they're going to make trades and acquire, you know, assets for the future for players that they don't see in their long-term future. And in the Eagles case, they can get them to way overpay for a Golden Tate. But that's another story. Uh, But anyway... (laughs) Let's just take an early look at potential trade targets down the line. So if they were to trade someone at the trade deadline, what would be your top uh, three positions? Pass rusher has to be number one. I'm with you there. I guess I would go corner. Okay. Again, because they well, now they have five with, with the mighty Craig James uh, <laughs> That's right. on the roster. But I mean, obviously, you know, like trade for someone and, and just put him back on the practice squad, probably. Trivia question real quick. What is Craig James' number? I should know this. I'm the jersey number guy. Oh, my God. Why don't I know this? It's not 36. That's Rudy Ford. <laughs> I don't think I saw. I don't think I did. I I don't even think I, I knew it. What is it? This is killing me. 39. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I should have known because Countess had that. Yeah. Oh, he man. had to call uh, Stanley Havili and uh, get the okay <laughs> from him. That's a deep cut. Yeah, so I, I would say pass rusher corner. I don't even know where I'd go with three. The, the thing I want to say about pass rusher is before, obviously, exhausting a trade, like, can we just see the Eagles activate Deshaun Hall? That was one of the more puzzling things, by the way, of week one, was how Josh Sweat was up over him. It, I, like, there's this, there's, every year, there's a situation, I feel like, where there's this player who looks, or not maybe necessarily every year, but there's, it happens, you know, when there's a player who looks really good in preseason, and then he just doesn't play in the regular season. We saw it last year, Shelton yeah. Gibson. I just feel like Hall is not that kind of guy, though. Like, I, like, he wasn't just taking advantage of bad players. And he wasn't, like, merely good. He was, like, dominant. Like, well, no he one. was taking advantage of bad players. But not only. But I mean, he was... He, <laughs> he, he but I agree. A, he, was, he was very dominant, yes. He, he forced a holding call on the Ravens starting right tackle, Orlando Brown. Okay. Like, and I don't know. Who cares? Even if he was dominating backups, like, Josh Sweat wasn't doing that. So why is he active? And I don't want to hear, like... Like, so apparently, I guess... He was good against the run. Yeah, like, okay, great. Like, that's not, like, this team is fine. Like, does this team really need a run defender? Right. See, that's the thing. Like, Brandon Graham is already a very good run defender. Derek Barnett, good run defender. Vinny Carey, that's all he's giving you anyway. Like, you don't need a fourth run defender from your edge rusher. I mean, I guess to some degree, like, one of the kind of not at all discussed part of that week one game is they did completely shut down their run game. So at at least there was that. But at the mm. same time, you don't need your fourth defensive end to also be a good run defender in lieu of a guy that can actually put pressure on the quarterback when you have three guys that are that are going to be playing downs one and two that can that that are actually very good stopping the run. It, it, it made no sense. I didn't even think Hall's run defense was bad in the preseason. Like, it, I remember it probably specific... isn't. You know, it probably isn't. You're, yeah. you're probably right. But and he's good on special but, teams. And but they, even it's... if even if that's the case, he's better. He's a better pass rusher. Ob- yeah. Object- like, there's no way anyone can look at those two players and the way that they played in the preseason and say, Josh Sweat is a better pass rusher than Deshaun Hall. No way. I think better all around. Like, on special teams, Deshaun Hall got praise from Schwartz this offseason. Repeatedly. Schwartz brings that up, like, every time he gets asked about him. So there's, like, no good reason to me why Deshaun Hall wouldn't be active. <laughs> it's not even like he's, like, some um, 27-year-old or 28-year-old player who's kind of just, like, doesn't have a lot of upside and he's maxed out. Like, he's 23. Yeah. And Josh Sweat's like what twenty two? Like there's a year or two difference between them. Like that's that's nonsense to me. Like get Hall active, get him out there on the field. Josh Sweat, by the way, from this is I know you're not a huge pro football focus fan here, Jimmy, but looking at their pressure stats, Sweat had zero pressures 
And he was in, like, wasn't he in the game on that last drive when they were, like, in an obvious pass rushing situation? Like, Oh, how, how many snaps did, he, did you say he had? I think he had 10 pass rush snaps. Like, they, they marked him down for 10 opportunities to rush the passer, and he had zero pressures on those 10 snaps. So I'm I, didn't notice, I didn't notice him at all. I, I Yeah. I haven't uh, zeroed in on specific things rewatching the game, but I didn't. Know, I did not notice him at all. We've we've gotten way off track on the trade target <laughs> thing. So, who are the two guys you wanted to mention? The two guys that I'd be looking at early. For, so, first of all, I, I'm not even bothering looking at like any teams, any players from teams that I think you know are going to be decent. Yeah, uh, I'm also not looking at anyone from obviously the NFC East. They're not going to be looking to help the Eagles, even just other teams in the NFC. I don't think. Uh, I mean, they got to be really bad to want to be willing to help a team like the Eagles. Like the Lions didn't care last year. Mm-hmm. This year, there really aren't that many, you know, free agents to be. I think that's another thing that like to look at is you know guys that are scheduled to become free agents in 2020 because those teams won't care about trading those guys. So one guy is Yannick Ngakwe, the pass rusher from the Jaguars. Who now look like they're not going to be good. I mean, Gardner Minshew had a nice debut in unexpected relief of Nick Foles. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> Clearly, they're not going anywhere. So that's a team that, you know, when week nine or week 10 rolls around, if, um, you know, they make him available, I would be all. In fact, actually, that's a guy that they um, that they brought in for a pre-draft visit. So 2016 as a rookie, eight sacks, uh, 14 QB hits, 2017, 12 sacks, 23 QB hits. And then last year on a bad Jaguars team, 9.5 sacks, 33 QB hits. Uh, oh, and sorry, 2017, six forced fumbles, <laughs> 2016, wow. four forced fumbles. So if that guy somehow becomes available, I'd be all over him. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd, be, I'd be willing to trade something like a two for mm-hmm. him. I think he's that good. I mean, you have to be pretty sure that you're going to be able to lock him up after the end. You're not just going to let him go like they did with Tate. You have to be pretty sure you're going to be able to keep him. And he's a guy that that's worth uh, franchising if you want to, you know, if you were to do that. So I don't even know if two would be enough, but that's a guy that I'd be all over if I were the Eagles. And then the other guy is a guy that, you know, other people have brought up to me, like in my weekly chats they've asked you know should he be a trade target and i didn't know much about him at least i liked him coming out of college but i didn't know much about what he's done in the nfl so far and that's minka fitzpatrick cornerback slash safety from alabama he was a rookie last year and he kind of plays all over the place uh, similarly to uh, malcolm jenkins who you know he could be malcolm jenkins replacement at some point and this year he'd be your third safety and if you did acquire him for something reasonable, then you just cut Sandejo and you recoup the fourth round pick that you'd be losing otherwise if you kept him for the whole season. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> Sandejo people, is people precluding here. the Eagles from getting a fourth round compensatory pick. As is LJ Fort, who only played 18 special team snaps. It's ins- he didn't play. He played no snaps in the regular defense, and it is insane that the- Sandejo, by the way. On you know the long Vernon Davis play, yeah. Good God, I mean, mm. horrible, <laughs> just horrible. And in my mind, it was like you were right all along, Jimmy. <laughs> hey, I, I was the one. I was I was saying to you, and uh, I was like the. I think Howie botched the comp pick thing. I think he yeah. did. The, uh, you don't need to spend two fourths 
on a backup linebacker and a backup safety to address those positions. You just don't. They could have. They, they could have signed another guy. Anyone. They, there yeah. were plenty of other guys available that wouldn't have cost the comp pick. Mm-hmm. And then and then Schwartz starts calling him Deho. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, he's got a nickname. He's staying. Yeah. He shouldn't, but he's, eh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, but if they if they acquire Fitzpatrick, then yeah. he's your, you know, he's your third safety at that point. You can also play some corner. He can be kind of a versatile piece, which is a little difficult to do, maybe, if you're acquiring a guy in season. But he's better than Sandeo, I can tell you that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, now I see the uh, alert coming up on my phone. Why did I get that it's so much later than you? Who's your who's your source? Who's your A plus source that's getting you the great game scoops before? <laughs> it was me. just on Twitter. It's <laughs> pretty good. All right, well, let's take a break. Yeah. Be right back after this. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with a BGN Radio Minute. When the Philadelphia Eagles kicked off their season on Sunday, they missed an opportunity to make a statement to overprivileged players everywhere when they allowed Malcolm Jenkins to not only keep his job, but also start at safety. Back in May, Jenkins, unhappy with a contract that he signed, decided to skip OTAs while the rest of his teammates were out on the field working hard. Doug Peterson should have demanded that Jenkins personally apologize to every employee in the organization before he ever let him suit up again. And even then, he probably still should have shown him the door. Malcolm Jenkins gets paid to play a game for a living, while the average Joe Sixpack would be thrilled to make one one-hundredth of Jenkins' salary while digging ditches for a living. In the future, Jenkins should show up, shut up, and just play football. I'm Jimmy Kemsky for BGN Radio. BGN Sports Radio. All right, we are back here on BGN Radio. Let's get into week two. Eagles playing the Falcons in Atlanta. Sunday night football. Eagles offense versus Falcons D. Who, yeah. What do you got? Let's, let's start there. Well, you you did the matchup column. I want you to start. Here. Okay. So, well, first of all, their run defense is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, article pulled up here, but they're 25th, I think, last year in uh, rushing yardage and then 28th or 29th in yards per rush at like 4.9, which is terrible. Yeah. That was dead last. Actually tied for dead last. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, week one rolls around this year, and they're playing the Vikings, and the Vikings just ran it down their throats uh, early and often. That game got out of hand. That was a weird game, so it got out of yeah. hand quickly. The Falcons, I think I think it was a three and out, but they were punting deep in their own end uh, on their first possession, and it got blocked, and then the Vikings scored very quickly thereafter. And then on their second position, Matt Ryan threw a pick, uh, again, deep in their territory. Vikings scored again quickly, so it was 14 nothing. With, I think it was like seven minutes gone in the game, kind of screwed at, the, at that point. And uh, they really, the Vikings pass rush got after them and they weren't really able to do much. So that game was basically Mike Zimmer's wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just to be this is what he's been wanting. He's been wanting to run the ball. <laughs> right. So they had something like. That's why they fired Flip. 38 rushes and 10 passes. I think Schwartz said today that they had. 14 pass plays that they called and they actually only threw the ball 10 times so i guess uh he scrambled <laughs> yeah uh, four times or whatever got sacked yeah, he or did. whatever Cousins whatever did it was rush four times 10 passes <laughs> in the entire game you know they were still able to run it for both i think both of their top backs dalvin cook and alexander madison i think is his name yeah i didn't know anything about this guy coming out actually Same. it was it was a miss on my part especially given that i was pretty sure the Eagles were going to draft him pretty early uh, but he was good. I mean, he he looked good in that game. 
and they both ran for over five yards a carry. And it just didn't look like they are very capable of holding up at the point of attack. They have one really, really good player, the Falcons do, on that defensive line, uh, Grady Jarrett. Yeah, he's great. He's awesome. Beyond him, eh, not that much. Like, Deion Jones is is really, really good player. He's got a lot of speed, and he's great in coverage. But it's a lighter defense, and they don't really hold up against you know the run very well, or at least they haven't. At least they didn't last year, and they certainly did not look very good at all against the run uh, week one. I hate like kind of building my you know analysis or thoughts on a game on the run game, but I think pretty clearly Doug is going to want to run the ball quite a bit against this team. I mean, that's how they beat them back in 2016 when the Falcons yeah. were like awesome. They were they're literally the number one offense that year, and Schwartz held them. Schwartz and the Eagles defense held them to like season lows and like 2016. You mean? Yeah, yeah. when's his first season uh, yes, game was yes. in Philly, but like they they totally they just controlled the clock. They kept the Falcons to like season lows and like points and yards and all of that. Um, so I think that could be kind of like a similar formula here when you're going down to Atlanta and you're seeing that like and you know and knowing that you know this offense like it's probably going to be better than they were last week. They're going to be able to do some things. Like I think you're you're kind of want to. I think those are by no means a run heavy team. Like that's not their identity on offense. But again, like like you said here, when you're looking at how bad this run defense has been for the Falcons, not only in Week One this year, but like going back to last year. I mean, you, you want to test them. First of all, your run blocking, your offensive line, like their ability to run block is really good. Like the Eagles are really good at that. And with the way the backs performed last week, they averaged what, like 4.7 yards per carry, just the backs total. Yeah, uh, that's between Sproles and, and Howard and Sanders. Like there's there's no question in my mind they should absolutely look to get their running backs involved, especially against like a cover three defense that's probably designed to to kind of like limit, you know, those those uh, X plays to Deshaun. Yeah, same similar offense to the Seahawks defense. Yeah. Dan Quinn coming over from Seattle. So I think they, sh- they should absolutely be looking to run the ball here. By the way, why do cable companies make you also get a, a house line phone? <laughs> like, did you? I don't know if you heard that ringing or not, but <laughs> did you hear my house line I didn't ringing? Hear, I didn't hear the ring. I'm sure. That I think the listeners probably did because you were talking, but okay. it was ringing. Like why do they make you get a? I've never once answered my home, my like my landline phone, never, and I've never used it to actually call anyone either. It's mm. just, it's just, it just rings every now and again. You know, it's like, uh, like I don't even hear it anymore when it rings. I just hear it when I'm doing a podcast. But it's like, uh, you know, like when your smoke detector is like low on battery. Yeah. And like every thirty seconds, it's like, beep. Yeah. <laughs> and some people just live with that for oh my like God, I weeks. Cannot. I couldn't either. Yeah, I, how could I, you? I couldn't either, but I, I am that way with my phone. Like, it just rings and I don't hear it anymore. Hmm. I don't even know why I have, like, I don't even, like, when I moved in, I set up the phones, plugged them in to the wall, and I don't even know why I did that, because I never use them, and all they do is annoy me when I do hear them. Well, a little a little pro tip here, Jimmy. Um, if you're ever doing, like, a, a radio call-in or whatever, yes. it might be better to do it, or a podcast appearance that's not this one, like someone's podcast, uh, yeah. probably a little bit more reliable to do it on the, on the it? uh yeah, the landline than the cell from, huh. from what I've heard. Okay. Connection, I guess, is usually better. So the the other thing I had, Eagles offense, the screen game too. Yes. The, screen the Eagles game, screen game? Yes. <laughs> that works so well and it's, is really good. <laughs> it, it's it was horrible week one, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna keep running screens. <laughs> like, it was good against the Falcons in the um the playoffs, right? Traditionally it has worked well against that defense. Yes. You mentioned like the cover three before. 
But, you know, they, they, they are an aggressive front, so they try to get up the field. And they have team speed, so you kind of want to use that against them if you can when you get them, when you draw them up the field and then you dump in the screen behind them. And it's worked well. Like, obviously, you know, we all remember the uh, the highlight reel play by Stefan Wisniewski <laughs> when he took out like that was the half back the back Falcons screens defense. by Doug, right? Yes, yes. Both to Ajayi. Yeah, they got big gains on that on a, on a day where there wasn't a lot of offense otherwise. Yeah. So they do like running those screens against the Falcons, even though they didn't work well week one. They're going to stick with it. They're going to mm. keep running screens. Can't wait. Because they want to be able to use the screen, uh, the screen game. And it makes sense why it wouldn't work very well week one, because they're hard to run. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're hard to set up. And they're hard. It's hard to, you know, full defenses into into them working. Screen game, by the way, if I can, another side note. Please. The plays where defenses sniff out screens and then the quarterback just, just goes, ah, screw it. And they throw it, they throw it into the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think those are the ugliest plays in football. You agree? Just like they chuck it right at his feet or something. Yeah, well, they they understand that the screen's going nowhere, and right. there's no like option two to check to, to check to. It's just they're they're running a screen, and if it's not there, then they throw it at the guy's feet, and that's it. That's yeah. the end of the play. I think that's the ugliest play in football. Uh, I don't know what's the ugliest. It's better than doing what Jameis Winston did against the Niners and oh, just throwing the ball like away to no one, but then it gets pick six. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, did you see Matt Ryan in that in the Vikings game? I didn't see the pick. All right, so they were in the red zone. He had two picks, but the one that was really bad was, I don't remember if he was just kind of, you know, leaking out of the pocket. I, I forget the exact circumstances, but he was trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. He didn't have a lot of pressure in his face, so like there was no reason that he couldn't put a lot on the football. Like he could have easily just thrown it ten rows into the stands. Yeah, but I guess he didn't throw it as hard as he could, <laughs> and it didn't make it out of the back of the end zone. And a Vikings player picked it off. Is ugly. I, I want to say an Eagles player did that one time. An Eagles quarterback did that one time, but I can't remember who did that. Who who, who did that? But uh. It was it was uh, as ugly an interception as you'll see this season. If you go back and look at that, him trying to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone and it gets picked. So this is probably a good time to transition to Matt Ryan and the and yes. the uh, Eagles yes. defense. I think that those the are the far offense. more interesting matchups in this game. By the way, the the one thing I want to point out is just that you know Schwartz has obviously done a good job of, and the Eagles defense as a whole uh, have done a good job against Matt Ryan in these last three meetups. He has a fifty. 4.5 completion percentage, 6.5 yards per attempt, not good. Two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 73.1 passer rating. So not very good there. I think a big reason why, though, the Eagles have been able to do that is because they have been able to pressure him. Yeah. Nine sacks, and I couldn't believe this when I was looking at the number. 32 hits. 32 quarterback hits in mm. three games. One, I think one game they had 15. Like They were just teeing off on that yeah. line. So I kind of look at those two things and I'm like, all right, well, they've done well against him in the past, but like now they're in Atlanta, you know, so it's not like they have the crowd noise working right, against right. their offense. And, you know, we have concerns about the pass rush. They've faced them, at least in the playoffs anyway, obviously that was late in the season. So the weather was an element. That is true too. Yeah. So how do you stop this Falcons def- or offense if you're the Eagles defense? All right. So if I'm looking at their weaknesses... First of all, it's the offensive line. The right side specifically. Well, they have three spots actually on their offensive line that I think are problematic for them. Uh, one is at right tackle where they have a rookie splitting time with a not very good backup. The rook, Caleb McGarry. It's either Caleb McGarry or Gary McCaleb. I think it was the first one. 
I think it's the first um, one. I'm kidding. It's it's definitely Caleb McGarry. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was first round pick. I think he was 31st overall. In late July, he had some kind of procedure done on his heart and hasn't been able to play. He barely, he, he, I think he played a little bit in the preseason, but he was unable to play the full first game. And that was part of their plan heading into the first game. But he was unable to play the whole game. So mm-hmm. he split time at right tackle with Ty Sambrello, who I believe was a Broncos draft pick originally. Yeah, he was. But uh, he hadn't been very good in the league so far. So those two guys split time uh, week one. That's a problem. Problem number two is they had another rookie starting at right guard, Chris Lindstrom from mm. Boston College. He broke his foot. So he's on IR. His replacement is Jamon Brown, who actually knows the Eagles pretty well and has been beaten up on by Fletcher Cox in the, in the past. <laughs> so uh, he played for the Giants last year and he played for the Rams the year before. So they have actually faced and, and he started both of those games. So they have faced him in each of the last two seasons. So they know him well and I'm sure they're going to be looking for ways to attack him specifically. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Falcons give Brown extra help in the form of center Alex Mack, who is very good, then as I, you know, they'd be crazy not to, then that's going to give one-on-one matchups to whoever the Eagles have at that right defensive tackle spot, which will either be, of course, now Timmy Jernigan, or if they move one of their uh, outside guys inside, and they'll be going up against James Carpenter, who at one point in his career was a first-round pick. Somehow still around. How is he still around? Hasn't been very good. I think the Seahawks drafted him. I think he landed with the Jets for a little while. Yeah. I don't know if there are any other stops along the way, but he's with the Falcons now, and he's starting there. That's not an ideal starter. And then at left tackle, they have Jake Matthews, who uh, I guess they kind of consider him to be a quality offensive lineman. I don't really see it. So like week one, Everson Griffin was kind of beaten up on him. In fact, he smoked him twice on a couple of inside spin moves. I know that's kind of a something that I know Barnett has been working on heavily since he got drafted is that inside spin move was horrible and caught like he had no inside spin move at all coming out of uh, Tennessee, but it's gotten better since he's gotten into the league. So I'm sure he'll try to use that. I would think after they watch the film because it's obvious that it's it's obvious on film that they're going to see that those inside spins killed him so it's really uh not a very good offensive line obviously we thought week one that washington's offensive line was going to be ripe for the picking but i guess you know whether they were or they uh whether they were or not is another story as they said they had a lot of extra guys in on max protect and whatnot but uh, we thought they were going to just dismantle the Washington offensive line. They didn't week one, but they should, on paper anyway, be able to beat this uh, Falcons offensive line. Yeah, I like Brandon Graham matched up against a rookie. I, I'm sure he really likes that too. I'm yes. sure he's licking his chops. Like, yes, uh, I'm sure that's something he's very aware of. So the pass rush, I think, yeah, I agree. Like, there's some potential here to. I guess this is a good litmus test in the sense of like, okay, if they're not rushing the passer well in this game, I mean, we. We really have a real concern on our hands. I guess kind of moving into, like, how do you stop Julio? You were talking earlier about some of that, I guess, in terms of um, who matches up with who. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little bit of a frustrating thing for, uh, you know, looking at this game in advance. I have no idea what they're going to do. Do you think Douglas and Darby start again? I think yes. I think they will, yes. I agree. Yeah, I think so. Schwartz is, cr- is crazy with the confidence factor <laughs> and i view razul as a more confident player than sydney right now 
Yeah. And he matches up physically sort of well against Julio. In theory. In theory. In, in theory. theory. The size. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I, I, the One of the other things from the snap counts, I guess I wanted to point out, is that, you know, Maddox played the most of all the, of, of all the corners, ultimately. Like, he... He didn't miss much time at all, and he had to leave the game at one point with cramps. He played. Um, yeah, he got the most snaps at the corner. Ninety-one percent. He didn't come out. He was he was the slot corner, and then that was it. Like he, nobody was subbing in for him, obviously. And uh, again, he missed some snaps because of the um, the cramps. That's smart. He shouldn't he shouldn't leave the field ever, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I I am on the same page with you there. So uh, it, it's gonna. It feels like it's a hard ask to to really you know expect this Eagles defense to dish. Like I know Schwartz wants the secondary to be able to cover longer like that was his message this week i feel like the pass rush is just gonna have to dominate here like they're just yeah. they're, they're really gonna have to turn it on like the bottom line for me if you will with the eagles pass rush last week like vinnie curry Brandon graham and josh sweat like who are three of your top four defensive ends they had zero sacks and zero quarterback hits combined like that's just not good enough yeah it's gonna be close uh, if that's the case so i just I, they have to be better they just have to be all right so the other thing too in past Eagles Falcons uh, matchups is the running backs always got mentioned as you know really quality running back duo and we're talking about Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman Coleman's gone signed with the Niners and Freeman uh, last year I think he only played two games yeah if I'm I know he missed most of the season he had surgery for uh, hernia so he's back this year and Ter- oh, he looked terrible. <laughs> he looked terrible week one. He's looked bad against in the Eagles matchup specifically. Like he's never done well against them. Yeah, he's. I guess the, he's the kind of run, like he he did have success catching the football at some mm-hmm. point in his career, but he is kind of like a like a thicker back. These are good against those kinds of guys. Coleman's the guy who gave the Eagles trouble. Like yes, they, they had, and it was almost like a gift when the Eagles would use Freeman over. Him. Yes, correct. And Freeman doesn't look, you know, he doesn't look like the same player that he was, even when the Eagles were doing a good job on him. And the other stat, the, uh, I found a weird stat on him. Not, I didn't find it, but like I... Let's hear you know, it. No, take credit. No one's going to fact check this. Oddball stat. His first 57 regular regular season games in the NFL, mm-hmm. 57 games, four fumbles. Very good. Oh, yeah. I saw this. His last seven regular season games, five. <laughs> <laughs> He's mm. got five fumbles in the last seven games, and three of those were like at the goal line. Wow! <laughs> so like he fumbled in really bad situations, and he fumbled last week. He had bad fumble last week, and uh, I think that was just outside of the Vikings red zone. I think it was fourteen nothing at that point. Yeah, they were, driving. and they had a chance to get back in that game, and he fumbled, and the Vikings recovered, and I think they went down and scored on the ensuing possession, and then that was it. They were done. He's a guy that I look at as okay. Well, let me take a step back. There are players in the NFL where if you're trying to strip them and you don't and you don't strip them and they break the tackle, then they're you, you know they could. Like Vernon, Davis. Like, like Vernon Davis, like I saw guys trying to strip the ball from uh, Alvin Kamara Sunday night unsuccessfully, and then he runs another 10 yards. So you got to be careful about trying to do that stuff with some players with Devonte Freeman have at it. Like he's not going to, he's not going to break away and make this huge play because you tried to strip the ball. I'd be all over trying to force, turnovers anytime he gets the football yeah okay so that's i think that's it for now for our matchup uh part of the podcast we'll take another quick break here and then we'll come back with you for some uh nfl picks against the spread including the eagles game we'll give you our eagles falcons prediction 
after these messages. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with a BGN Radio Minute. In case you hadn't heard, Antonio Brown successfully engineered his release from the Oakland Raiders last week, and he signed with the New England Patriots hours later. Because the Steelers refused to trade Brown to the Patriots earlier in the offseason, conspiracy theorists started hypothesizing that the Patriots were probably guilty of tampering. After having been wrongly punished by the NFL on multiple occasions for cheating, it has become easy for jealous losers to label the Patriots as cheaters. The reality, however, is that no evidence exists that the Patriots were ever guilty of any wrongdoing over the years. If anything, it is the Patriots who have been cheated. In Super Bowl 52, for example, the Eagles were lined up illegally on the Philly Special, and that gave them a clear, unfair advantage. That penalty? Mysteriously not called. Philly Special? More like Silly Special. I'm Jimmy Kemsky for BGN Radio. BGN Sports Radio. All right, we are back after this as a certain. No, he says that prior to the. Uh, yeah, I know. I forgot to. I, I wanted to. This. If I could redo it, um, <laughs> I would have. I, I will do that in future things now, uh, before like he tries to sue us or something. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna do some NFL picks against the spread here. Does he have that trademarked? Back after this, uh, he might. I don't know. Well, that guy, the the actually one of my favorite follows on Twitter. He's great. Is the Mike Francesa guy. Who just <laughs> plays uh, clips of him all the time? I think that's his handle. I think uh, his handle is back after this. Yeah, that's. I guess that's why. Yeah. All right. So picks against the spread. We'll, we'll go with the NFC East here this week. I think that makes most sense anyway. Kind of a natural way to talk about the division. For those who don't know, Jimmy used to do by do. I mean, run a NFC East website, right? Called bloggingthebeast.com. That's correct. A great website. Uh, rest in peace. So I guess it's only natural that we start off with the Dallas Cowboys. They are five and a half point road favorites in Washington. What have you got for me, Jimmy? Let's get the. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! So I'll do this Francesa style, actually. Uh, the Cowboys. Uh, they look good. They look good. Week one. I don't, I don't know what else to say. They look good. They played the Giants, and the Giants. You know their their defense isn't. Isn't good, but let's just be honest. Dak Prescott looked pretty good. He looked pretty good week one. Pretty good. So I got the giant. I got the Cowboys. I'll take the Cowboys minus five and a half over Washington. <laughs> See what's great about Francesca, by the way, is he never actually says anything in his analysis. <laughs> 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 he says the same thing over and over again. He just and rephrases He it. never actually has any analysis. Yeah. He just said. <laughs> For those who don't, who don't know, by the way, I don't he know if he said this. Up. He has a dedicated show on Saturday. Yeah. Just to give his picks, and he doesn't say anything. Sorry, go ahead. For the un- uninitiated, I don't know if we set it up. Mike Francesca, uh, or Francesca, is a uh, W fan uh, radio legendary radio host in new york so uh, just for those who didn't know um, i'm sure there's some of you out there who didn't know the great sports pope himself uh but yes yeah. i would take cowboys minus five and a half for Washington, real though washington yeah. stinks they, they stink like they the, stink they, they they got they got that first half off against the eagles and then they showed who they were second half they stink that's a that's a bottom five nfl team and in my opinion as good a bet to have the number one overall pick uh, Dolphins aside, maybe. Yeah. As any other team in the NFL. Well, I would even say the Giants are worse than them, uh, which we'll you get think to so? next. I'm, I'm going to disagree there. Uh, well, I'll get to that in the next pick. Okay. Um, I just, I think Washington has some pieces. Like they have, and like Jay Gruden isn't the worst coach ever. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I don't love Washington. I'm not taking them here. I'm taking the Cowboys. I think people are getting a little bit carried away with how good the Cowboys look in week one. Like, I'm seeing our, our great <laughs> friends over at Blogging the Boys talk about how, like, Kellen Oh, Moore they gotta be like, thrilled. Oh, they are. Like, Kellen Moore is, like, just this <laughs> offensive genius. And it's like, okay, yeah, they played great in week one. They deserve credit. Well, Aikman like, wouldn't shut up about him. My God. That, who wouldn't? <laughs> Aikman during oh, that game. Yeah, it's... Look, that defense, I was, and we'll get into this in the Giants pick here. So I will make my, I'll just transition right now. I'm, I'm taking Dallas to cover at five and a half. I think, how could you possibly take Washington? Like, what are you, what are you seeing there that you're like, oh yeah, I'll definitely take yeah, yeah, yeah. like the points here. No, you're, you're crazy. Take the Cowboys five and a half. Uh, so we'll, now we'll move into the Bills. Oh, that's uh, perfect transition with the new song coming on. <laughs> Bills. <laughs> you did my, that on purpose, didn't you? No, I didn't. Uh, I know you didn't. I, I have no. I have no. Uh, <laughs> you didn't even know I don't know. Bills are one and a half road favorites at the Giants. I want to. I want to get into the Giants here, Jimmy, real quick, just because we were talking about that Cowboys thing. They, according to uh, the ESPN NFL matchup show, the Giants generated the least amount of pressure in Week One. Shocker! At like under ten percent, it was like nine percent. They of their, have nothing. They're uh, they're terrible. Defense. Look at their roster. Go to our lads and look at their depth chart. It's terrible. Like, who do you want on that roster? Like if you're well, if you're, so offensively who, they have some players. Deep, are you just talking about their defense right now? Yeah, I'm talking about defensively. Look at yeah, the Giants' nothing. defense and like get, t- tell me a player you want in like your favorite team. As well, they fan. took Jabril Peppers in lieu of a first round pick in, yeah. in their trade with the Browns, as Gettleman pointed out repeatedly. So him, they stink. They're terrible. No, no, but uh, I have no interest in any of those players. None. They might be the worst. Def- they might honestly be worse than the Dolphins' defense by the end of the year. Probably not, I guess, because the Dolphins are just so abysmal. But like, well, they're last they're right in the there. NFL in sacks last year, with the exception of the Raiders. So, I think they actually had like thirty sacks. The Giants did somehow thirty, but that was second worst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The Raiders had. Like 13, I think. <laughs> so that was like, that was the gap between the worst team in the NFL sack wise. And the second was 30 versus 13. But anyway, the Gi- like you said, the Giants had, I mean, they traded their really only pass rusher in Olivier Vernon, mm-hmm. gone. And they traded JPP the year <laughs> before. I mean, they have nothing. They have nothing left. They drafted a few guys, but I mean. Well, position- positional value is a crock. So, I mean. That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> Very true. They'll take safeties and, uh, running, and backs. running backs all day. Who do you like in that game? Bills or uh, Bills minus five or Giants? Uh, well, Bills are minus one and a half. Um, what did I say? You said minus five. I'm not. I don't know. Oh, about, okay. Uh, Bills. I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer. I meant, like, I meant, I meant minus one point five. Like, like Josh Allen. I, I am really not sold on him by any means. But I think the Bills' defense really is like that is legitimately good. I so I think they're going to clamp down on whatever the Giants' offense would even do anyway. And I just that Giants defense, I cannot get over how bad it is. I feel like John Brown, like like one thing Josh Allen did do uh, in Week One was find John Brown, and I feel like he can find John Brown against this Giants defense that is abysmal. So I will take the Bills at one and a half. BLG taking a team on the strength of John Brown. You heard it here first. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, surprise pick here. Oh boy. Well, so like in the spreads that I saw, I, I saw Giants uh, plus two, not one point five, and I think I actually picked them to win outright. Oh my in god! This game, yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> well, I don't really think much of the Bills. Actually, there's a weird scheduling quirk here. This has nothing to do with anything, 
But the Bills played at at MetLife last week too. They beat True. the Jets there. The Bills did. They're undefeated. Yeah, they're at undefeated MetLife. at MetLife. <laughs> they haven't had a winning season on the road since uh, 1999. Hmm. They haven't had a, a winning record on the road since 1999. So I mean, in theory, they could go. Uh, they could go 10 two and zero in New in in New York this season. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Giants don't. Well, New Jersey play in New York. Go two and zero in New Jersey. Well, I said ten and zero. If you counted the Bills like being in New York, (laughs) yeah, whatever. Right. Anyway, who would Mike take in this game? Was he taking the Giants? Uh, the Giants were smart to get rid of Odell Beckham, and that showed. We that showed. Did you see Odell? He won't (laughs) take his watch off. I told you. I told you. He's a me guy. You don't need me guys. And they got rid of all. They got rid of all the me guys. You can't have me guys on a on a, on a team. You just can't. You can't have the me guys. And he's a me guy. He won't take his watch off. Did you see it? Did you see? He won't take his watch. They told him. The league told him. You got to take your watch off. And he won't take the watch off. It's a danger to the other players in the field. He says. He says the watch is plastic. It's it's nonsense. They're better off without him. Giants plus two. All right, so that brings us to our final prediction here. Yeah, uh, Eagles did on the road. Did you see that? By the way, he won't take. He has a watch that he. I did he, see that. It's, it's insane. <laughs> he wants to wear a watch during the games. I, I mean, just, I agree with fake Mike Francesa there. That that is ridiculous. You agree with the the parody? <laughs> yeah, you're doing. I agree with parody Mike Francesa. That he is right on that. That it is ridiculous. That it is wearing ridiculous. a watch. And look, I mean, OBJ is obviously like. Hall of Fame level talent, but like, man, not my favorite player in terms of just like, yeah, no, he's a I, jackass for sure. Yeah, I just, I just, <laughs> no, he is awesome. I mean, yeah, he's, he's talented. What did he but do week just, one, by the way? Uh, who? What? what? What did he do? What did he do week one? Do you have any idea what his stat line was? I have no idea. I did not watch the Browns. Um, I think he did decent. I think I, I saw that he did okay. It was like something like seven now. for seventy or something. Um, Getting us to the Eagles game Seven here. for 71 and no touchdowns. Oh, I was close. Eagles minus two. They're favorites on the road against the Falcons. I want to give you a little context uh, before we get into the picks here because I looked up um, how the Falcons have done as road or as home underdogs and how the Eagles have done as road favorites here. And I'm stalling because I don't have this up right in front of me, but I found <laughs> it right now. Um, the Falcons are 11-5 and five against the spread. And eight and eight straight up as home underdog since Matt Ryan uh, took over in 2008. Huh. And more recently, if you look at the Dan Quinn era, the Falcons are three and zero against the spread and straight up as home underdogs. Hmm. One of those is probably the Eagles. Actually, Week One, 2015, the Eagles probably, probably favored in that game, right? Yeah, I would guess so. Ten and six season the year yeah. before, and they didn't the make hype. the playoffs. But uh, yeah. and then Sam Bradford had his magical. Uh, preseason game against the Packers uh-huh. and people were all fired up about Sleevey Wonder. They were probably favored in that game, right? So, so that's probably one of the three, you know, that's in the Dan Quinn era. But uh, the, on the Eagles, on the so so the point there being like the Falcons have done pretty decent. Uh, that coverage percentage they had uh, against the spread, 11 and 5, that's like the third best cover percentage in the NFL in that time span. Yeah, okay. Something to keep in mind. Uh, as far as the Eagles history goes, uh, they are 4 and 6 against the spread. Uh, which is tied for the 26th best cover percentage. And they were 5-5 five and five straight up uh, since the Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz errors began mm. in, in 2016. So they haven't been as amazing road, uh, road favorites. Road faves? Yeah. Hmm. That'll make me rethink my pick here. What do you got? Uh, 
I'm going to take the Eagles to win. Uh, I think they've done well against the Falcons in the past, and that doesn't mean everything, especially because this game is in Atlanta now. But I've never really been the biggest Matt Ryan guy. Like, I'm not really all in on him. And for as much as this defensive line and the pass rush has shown reason for concern, uh, I feel like going up against this Falcons offensive line, you almost kind of even talked me into it more, where I feel like they're going to be able to attack this Falcons offense. Um, I think the Eagles offense with Carson Wentz, who looked great in week one, like I'm taking him over Matt Ryan. Like I'm not betting against Carson Wentz and I'm not betting on Matt Ryan. It's, it's just the opposite for me. And going to the run game again, I just, I feel like the Eagles are going to be able to run this team. I think it'll be a close game because, you know, Atlanta's in a spot where they're 0 and one, their backs are against the wall a little bit. They're at home. I think it'll be tough for the Eagles, but I do think they pull it out. Uh, I think they win by three. So I will take the Eagles minus two. See, here's my thing. I don't think the Falcons are good, like at all. Okay. Like so I think they're, they're just bad. Yeah, I think they're just a bad team. I think their mm-hmm. offensive line is bad, and I think their defensive line, Grady Jarrett aside, mm-hmm. is bad. And I think when you have two bad lines, you're not going to be a good football team. I picked them to win the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> like, and then they went. I think Ben liked them. I think Solak loved them too. Loved them. Like, he said they're the best roster. I think he said they were the best team in the league. Am I, I think he said that? the most talent. Yeah. Okay. I think I think he said that to me like in person. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think he might be uh, on something there, my friend. Might be dead wrong, kid. And then uh, no, I thought he was. I thought I agreed with him. And then yeah, not, I'm not necessarily that they were wrong. the best team, but I liked them a lot. Right. And I, I picked them in the Super Bowl, and then they went four and nine. They went four and nine last year. I mean, they won three games at the end of the year against garbage, mm-hmm. garbage time games, and I think they were all bad teams. So they ended up like you know, faulty seven and nine. It was like you know the Eagles going four and eight, the dream team year. Yeah, and then they, and they went four games four to save run. Yeah. Andy Reid's job in the short term, and then they you know the eight and eight doesn't look so bad. The mm. seven and nine doesn't look so bad, but that team was four and nine last year. They stink, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And I think the Eagles are going to take care of business. So they cover. Yeah, I think they cover. I think they cover, and they well, they I, I mean they went out right, but I also think they I mean if they went out right, they're probably going to cover too. It's, right, it's only two. So and they're not going to have. Uh, they're not going to get towards by Julio enough. Like they'll. they'll do I think they're well. going to score more than they have in the past, but I think okay. the Eagles are also going to score because the Eagles haven't scored much against them. True. I think they're both going to score against each other more than they have. So a shootout a little bit? Eagles score. I'm going to go Eagles 33, Falcons 24. Eagles 33, Falcons 24. Nine-point win. Okay. Um, Two possessions. Um, What's the over-under for this game? I want to see here. We have... Let me guess. I I didn't look at it. Okay, sorry. Did you already... uh, I already said 50-something. All right. Well, guess what? I'm going to say 50.5. Uh, close, 51. Um, okay. So I will say Eagles get to kind of, I like to split this up a little bit. Uh, I'll say, well, I said three points. So I'm going to say Eagles 27, Falcons 24. Okay. By the way, the uh, under is always, I feel like if you are gambling on the NFL yeah, and you're consistently taking the over, you are going to lose money. Like I have so (laughs) I had a friend in college who (laughs) he was my roommate actually. And uh he was he was like uh like 
he was like a wannabe bookie. Like he took bets from people. Yeah. And he pretended that he had some like backing in Philly, like some mob bo- backing. He had, he, he had nothing. He, he pretended like he had some mob backing in Philly <laughs> that like, you know, would come after you if he didn't pay him if he lost. Um, but he would take a lot of bets and uh, he couldn't handle it all some weeks. Like some weeks he took on more than he could take. So uh, he would ask if like I would split the... I don't want to sound like a douchebag here, but split the act, quote unquote, action. <laughs> but I'd be like, sure. So uh, I would take on, you know, half of his bets with him. And everyone bet the over. So, like, he and I would go to, you know, like a, a bar where they have every game on, and uh, we would just be rooting for running plays all day. <laughs> 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 like, Run that clock! Run that clock! And, like, we won so much money. I mean, relatively speaking, it was these small time bets, but we like we we would win a lot because everyone took the over, and I feel like the I I, I, I bet if like you actually looked at the stats on this, it's probably not that drastic a, uh, a differentiator, but I don't know. We seem to always win on the under, I, but I I'd be willing to bet that the under covers significantly more than the over. You heard it here, folks. Because uh, betting the over is fun, whereas betting the under sucks. Like, yeah. it sucks rooting for running plays, whereas, like, a team scores and it's, like, party time. Right. <laughs> so, uh, this isn't incriminating in any way. Like, I can't, like, get in trouble with the with the law for saying this, can I? Uh, I would say that we are not giving anyone a, any actual... We're not telling the people to actually spend any money. I feel when like the statute of limitations is far past on this. When you're when you're telling people to bet the under, it's just like you know, have some fun with it. <laughs> no, uh, I mean saying that like I took on bets back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's like twenty five years ago. Um, I would no, like no, no, to just say for the it's record, like twenty I, years ago. Sorry, I was not affiliated in any of this, so <laughs> I'm, I'm my hands are clean. No, it's it, it's it's on you. I think that just about does it for this week's episode of BGN Radio, BGN Radio episode eighty. Jimmy, do you have any final thoughts before we close it out here? Uh, I got nothing. I do think we should play the music for the entirety of the podcast next time, though. So thank you, Jimmy, again for joining BGN Radio. Great to have you back on the site in some capacity. This should be a good season, probably, I would think, to podcast about this team, to cover this team. A lot of good stuff coming your way still down the BGN Radio pipeline. We have the Babes on Broad debuting this week, Je- uh, Jessica Town and uh, Sam Wilson. So I, I'm looking forward to that debuting later this week. Uh, we still have Kist and Solak doing some stuff like they always do. Uh, so we'll have plenty of more Eagles coverage here for you leading up to the Falcons game. And obviously after the Falcons game, Kiss and Solak will have the post game podcast that you should be listening to early in the morning, early, very early on Monday morning after Sunday night football. So make sure you stay tuned for all that. Make sure you subscribe to BGN radio. If you have not already on iTunes, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, I have been Brandon Lee Gowden. Jimmy has been Jimmy Kemsky, and we will talk to you next time here on BGN radio. P-G-N. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. 
Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.